This episode is dedicated to everyone that struggles from emotional sadness and depression and instability. And my friends in the three-quarter house when I was in recovery, um, Lou, this episode is um, dedicated to you. I know um, Lou was one of my friends that was born with a disorder where he was permanently depressed like he'll just go into these strong depressive states and there's nothing only thing that could shake it is time and medication and you know it was real sad but you know um and Lou if you're out there I pray for you I think about you often sadly enough um I lost contact with 90% of everyone from my um sober house and I just um, pray for you guys if you're out there. If somehow you come across this podcast, it's Joe. You know your guy Joe from, you know, the three-quarter house in Brooklyn where we all came up together and, and we struggled together. And for you guys who are out there still struggling, if you find me, come find me, man. I'll help you out. We get back on track. I made it. I'm six years sober and I'm going strong. This episode is dedicated to everyone that's struggling from depression, anxiety, and sadness. These are tough, real things. Mental disease is a real issue, and we're on the front line, and we're here to help. Love you all. Enjoy the episode. Hello, welcome to the Sober's Dope Podcast, episode 22, with your host, Pop Buchanan. This episode is entitled Emotional Sobriety. Emotional sobriety is an important factor in recovery. It means being able to confront and cope with all the negative emotions that were ignored when using drugs or alcohol. Working toward emotional sobriety is a long process and can be assisted by addiction professionals in a good treatment program. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This subject is very dear to me because... I had witnessed firsthand when I was in rehab many guys who really just were able to, you know, go the first couple of months really excited, really gung-ho about the process of recovery and being sober. And, you know, abstinence from drugs and alcohol is just the first step because, the whole goal is to prevent relapse and to live a life full of a long life that's full of recovery and sobriety. You want to be in a constant, we're always in a constant state of recovery and our goal is constant sobriety. And we never want to hear the the dreaded R word, you know, uh, relapse is a really sad thing. But what I saw on the first hand basis was one of my friends after another just relapsed because they 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 didn't have the tools available to deal with the emotional part, the emotional sobriety because dealing with emotions and feelings and all of the different thoughts, thought permutations and ideas is really difficult. And a lot of us in recovery deal with a, dealt with a lot of depression, anxiety, and you know, 
You can't always mask these things with medication without doing the actual work. So emotional sobriety is an important factor in recovery. And being able to confront and cope with all the negative emotions is extremely important. And you and you really have no outlet. So for me, and I still go through this today, I'm six years sober from alcohol. And if I get into a fight or if I get angry... Or if someone does something to offend me or for some reason if one of my friends hurt my feelings or they betray me or, you know, something goes wrong. If I lose a business deal, if I have a, a, a problem in business, if if someone gets sick that I love, all of these different lifestyle scenarios and life scenarios that may pop up on any random given at any random given moment i have to be prepared to really handle it emotionally without stressing out to a point to where relapse becomes part of the conversation now luckily for me i am totally done with alcohol i i fight that every day i do not i do not have any urge to drink i hate it i know it's toxic i know i have a disease and i know i can't drink but not everyone is not so clear cut, you know, it's not so clear and cut and dry for everyone. For some people, they just one incident away from emotional relapse, you know, and I think and then once you have emotional relapse, you start thinking of actual physical relapse and then you relapse. So most people say, oh, you have to relapse in your mind first. Right. And I think that's true because I remember back when I was younger and I used to try to attempt sobriety and it was really short lived. It was like a couple of days. I felt better, maybe seven days. And then something happened. I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to have a drink, you know, and that thought always occurred in my mind. Like, wouldn't it be cool just to have a beer or wouldn't it be cool just to have, you know, one shot? And next thing you know, I'm on another bender. So. Emotional relapse and emotional sobriety is extremely important, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to look into it more today on our episode because I think it's the subject matter that really needs some, you know, I want people to really have this as a resource and tool when um, listening to the Soap is Dope podcast. All right, because we're about all things sobriety and you can't talk about sobriety without talking about emotional sobriety. So... Here we go. When an alcoholic stops drinking, it causes for rejoicing. Unfortunately, sobriety is not guaranteed to last. It takes continued wakefulness and commitment to ongoing spiritual and mental health. We feel that the elimination of drinking and drugs is just the beginning. Simple facts. Don't drink. Practice the steps. Trust the process. So, obviously... I'm getting this from a AA resource um, because a lot of AA has does a really great job in breaking down the many facets of sobriety, recovery, and things like that. And um, like I said, I, I needed AA. Although I say in the beginning in our disclaimer, this this is not affiliated directly with AA, but a lot of my sobriety and my ideas and thoughts are influenced through AA because hey, AA was a big is a big part of my recovery. You know, for the first um, year 
of my process, you know, AA really got me along and they really gave me really a lot of tools to cope and I am really using those tools today and it's subconscious and conscious. So I give AA a lot of respect. Um, it may happen that someone may have stopped drinking alcohol or drugs, but has not undergone mental or emotional changes. In other words, apart from stopping substance abuse, he or she remains the same. Or someone may have become abstinent and began a process of recovery, but has lapsed into an unrealistic and chaotic thinking. You are approaching emotional sobriety when... You are practicing letting go of resentments, jealousy, and envy. Or you have a strong euphoric or sad emotions. The, these strong or strong euphoric or sad emotions don't cause you to drink. When you are able to make decisions without being unduly influenced by emotions. And... Um, when you are certain enough of your own values and beliefs that you're not thrown by social pressure or when you're becoming able to enjoy life as a sober person and when the need to be right no longer influences your relationship so this is really a lot of stuff right here man this is some good stuff guys you know what because, you know, even though I'm six years sober, when you put things in a fresh perspective and revisiting a lot of these things really, really hits home. Because, again, on this podcast, we promote total sobriety, whether it's through substances like alcohol or drugs or behavioral addictions or process addictions. And we also promote a sober mindset, which which is about not having a toxic or destructive mindset um and when when you let go of resentments jealousy and envy that's heavy because i think that goes way beyond that's just part of the human condition and i think part of being self-actualized and mature and growing up is learning to own your stuff and you know, you have to let go of resentments and you have to let go of jealousy and envy. They're toxic, you know, and you can't be emotionally sober or emotionally available if you're clouded by jealousy or envy or resentment. So that's so strong. Um, we all have strong or euphoric emotions and these emotions are going to come up because you're human it's not necessarily because you're addict it's because you're human and your humanity is going to cause you to have really high euphoric emotions meaning that you could really feel good really be excited you get that you win the lotto you get that new promotion you get that new job and you're really 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 excited and then you're like oh this cause to celebrate or you know that's a trigger also and also being extremely sad is a trigger also okay so knowing how to control these emotions and being aware of when you're in these states um is going to create some emotional stability and that would help you along the way with your emotional sobriety and being able to make decisions 
without being affected or influenced by your emotions is really deep. And I'm trying to do that every day. This makes me think of one of my real good friends, Shay. Shay always tells me, like, you know, he Shay doesn't really try to get emotional with anything. And that helps me out a lot because he always tells me, like, you know, yeah, you know, why get emotional? Why get upset? It's just, you know, doesn't make sense. And. You know, he he tends to stay extremely calm when making decisions or doing business. And I think that's extremely important because there's many times where we'll be on the phone and someone will be like, oh, uh," they'll be upset. And then he'll come in with his volume and energy will be on one and he'll be like, I understand. Um, So why don't we just look at it this way and that way and X, Y and Z. And, you know, I understand you're upset, but I'm sure we can fix it. And believe it or not. People change. He changes people's energy because he's not coming from an emotional state and he makes better decisions. And for me, sometimes like, for example, if you have an argument with someone, don't start um, vocalizing, you know, actions and decisions. You can't be like, you know what? I hate you. I don't want to talk to you no more. Lose my phone number. Go F yourself. Because you're no, most likely when you calm down, you're going to be like, oh, why did I say that? I didn't really mean that. Especially in a relationship with your spouse or your, someone that you love. You know, there's many times in my life where I said things I didn't mean to someone that I really love because I was emotionally tightened up. And I was emotionally suffocated and I couldn't really express how I really felt because I, my decisions and my mind was clouded. So emotional sobriety is knowing how to make decisions without being influenced by your sobriety. And that's very important. Um, enjoying life as a sober person without any outside stimulus is extremely important because Oh, man, being sober, guys, sometimes has its down moments and it has its up moments. Some days you may feel like you're missing out on the party. You hear me talk about the weekend effect all the time. That's one thing we always have to deal with. You you walk by a club or some cafe or some lounge and you hear everybody, what we call you hear fun, like Kevin Hart said. You hear fun in the atmosphere, fun in the environment, and you start just saying to yourself, oh, man, you know, Everyone sound like that, feel like they're having a good time and you kind of could feel left out sometimes because, you know, we're sober, you know, you're not going to be getting wild and everything like that. But when you get to a point where you can enjoy life without these things, then you're going to be more in an emotional, sober and sobriety environment. All right. Um, also, I'm approaching emotional sobriety when my emotions are in sync with my intellect and both are in sync with my higher power let also i am not when i'm not controlled by opinions of others that's extremely important and when i can move freely between the emotional states of child adult and parent and when i am growing more honest the absence of the attempt to deceive and when I derive genuine healthy pleasure from helping others without thought of reward, money, prestige, or station, and when I am able to stay present and endure both hardships and pleasure. Now, this is heavy, guys, because one, we have to figure out 
in 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 recovery, how to stay sober, how not to relapse. And then we have to also readjust what it's like being an adult and dealing with this. Now I call putting on your big adult pants on with for this, right? So this goes towards the sober mindset. I don't want anyone out there that's not in recovery from substance addictions or behavioral addictions to think you're going to get out of this one. This is also for humanity because you have people that's very sober that can't really, they're not at this level of maturity of understanding. Like, you know, when your emotions are in sync with your intellect and both are in sync with your higher power, I think that's self-actualization. And that's like a high point when we get to Godhead and you become one with your creator and then you spirit, you spiritually evolve. So this is big because the one thing about AA, it involves a spiritual component to our recovery and it absolutely deals with God. But these concepts is what all humans are are thriving to obtain. And I think this is good advice for everyone. And I think this topic is for everyone. Uh, When you can move freely between the emotional states of the child, adult, and parent, you understand how complex that is? Because you're going to be a child to someone... You're gonna, you are an adult and you're most likely gonna be a parent to someone else. And to be able to differentiate between these three states is putting on your adult, your big adult pants and, and growing up and being very mature. And um, emotional sobriety is so important in just being a, a, a good human being and having a sober mind, which we all are thriving to achieve. Um, and being able to stay present and endure hardship and pleasure. That's another thing. When I take a hard loss, you know, I lost a lot of family members over the last six years. Wasn't an excuse to relapse. Um, some, um, I lost really good accounts, lost really good friendships was not a good excuse to relapse. I had a lot of big wins, a lot of good rewards, a lot of companies, a lot of money came in, a lot of positive things happened for me. Was an excuse to relapse, okay? So being being emotionally sober keeps my objective. My our objective in the sober universe is to maintain our sobriety and protect it at all cost. Right? We have to put God first, then our sobriety. Right then, everything else in life. There's nothing more important. It's God, sobriety, then self, and then husband or wife, and then children, and then family, and then friends, and then career. That's the hierarchy of responsibilities, right? And a hierarchy of, you know, um, that's just a hierarchy, right? Is God, sobriety, self, husband or wife, children family, friends, career, right? That's that's that. Um, awakening. Suddenly I realized what the matter was. My basic flaw had always been dependence, almost absolute dependence on people and circumstances to supply me with prestige, security, and the like. Failing to get these things according to my perfectionist dreams and specifications... I had fought for them, and when defeat came, so did my depression. Bill W., the next frontier, emotional sobriety. So, um, 
Bill W. You guys, are, um, for your, for everyone who doesn't know, he's the founder of the Alcoholic Anonymous, and he's the author of the Big Book, which is the book that we use uh, when you go to AA, and it's a really, really powerful resource. It has things like the doctor's opinion on the addict. That's when I discovered the terms of having an allergy and alcohol being a disease, and you know, understanding that I wasn't, resp- I had to take accountability, but I also had to understand that it wasn't my fault and I needed it and I, my life became unmanageable and I needed a higher power and I also needed to know that you know alcohol is a disease and that's why I have these issues and that's why I can't drink I had it was a real reason it wasn't like oh I'm just a bad person I'm just different from other people and it's okay to be different as long as I just don't drink because why one drink is two drinks to one drink is one drink too many you know what I'm saying? Um, so that's Bill W. So for anyone out there who's sober curious, you can go to an AA meeting. You can look up um, Bill W. You can look up the big book and stuff like that. And you could start to get familiar with the literature because AA is absolutely awesome and very essential in the recovery or NA, you know, AA, NA, they all deal with 12 steps and 12 step programs are really good. We'll, we'll deal with more direct 12 step episodes and stuff like that because although we're not directly affiliated with AA and 12 step programs, um, we are influenced and inspired by AA and 12 step programs. So not to be in any conflict, but, you know, I do own a certain significant amount of my sobriety to the teachings and doctrines of AA. All right. Triggers which threaten emotional sobriety. Some call these signs of dry drunk syndrome. Feelings of superiority. When a recovering alcoholic fails to achieve sober realism, he or she exaggerates his self, his sense of or her sense of self-importance. Um, intolerance. An alcoholic is prone to make inappropriate evaluations and tend to become exceedingly judgmental in his or her actu- um, actuations and interactions with other people. When this triggers, when this triggers poorly managed anger, it can complement. It can complicate the recovery process. All right. Um, let's read that again. I messed that up. I want to clarify that. An alcoholic is prone to make inappropriate evaluations and tend to become exceedingly judgmental in his or her actuations and interactions with other people. When these triggers poorly manage anger, it can complicate the recovery process. No doubt. Impulsive neediness. Um, the need for instant gratifications of one's personal desires becomes an overriding concern. Hey, we all have a hundred triggers. I think these are triggers for humans of uh, regular people too. Um, but definitely I can agree. And I would say, you know, when you're in recovery, just be mindful. All right. Cause I'm not going to try to unpack all of this. But just be mindful 
because I remember my behavior and the little things I used to do to get what I want and the little tantrums I used to throw and my sense of entitlement and my sense of neediness when I was in my addiction. Like when I needed a drink and I was drunk, I felt like the world revolved around me. It was all about me. And I always felt like I could get over and all of that. And I always had a sense of right now and instant gratification. Now, if you're a go-getter and stuff, instant gratification has its place, but you have to just be mindful that you're not per- perpetuating the same behavior patterns that you had when you was in your addiction and bringing that into your sobriety. And um, you have to adjust your emotions not to, to, to prevent relapse, one, and to evolve as to be a better person, two. All right. This is all about evolution and this is all about transformation and change. So... You know, I would say we all know our triggers and we all know how when we're trying to get over and when we're trying to use certain things. So we have to check ourselves. And I could relate. I do have a sense of neediness. I do have a desire right now um, kind of personality, instant gratification and stuff. And I learned, you know, you know, to check my instant gratification, I just have things that I order on Amazon come on ground shipping instead of next day shipping. You know, I try to say, look, it's just it's going to come eventually. I try or, you know, instead of going prime one day, you say, you know, I don't mind it coming in five days. You know, that that's little things like that could believe it or not help practice. You know, instead of me running to the store, I got to have it right now. I'll just say, let me order it and wait. And then I wait, you know, and then when I get it, I say, OK. All right, I have to learn to wait sometime because you could get what you want and then just blow it. Like, you know, sometimes I'll be waiting for a real estate closing to come in or something. Then you get it, then you just blow it. Then you say to yourself, damn, I should have just waited and been more patient. Maybe I wanted to blow the money. So, you know, being less impulsive is also creating more of an emotionally stable environment. All right, moving along. Other triggers, ignoring potential consequences, Failure to control the need for instant gratification will trigger impulsive acts and feelings. This impulsiveness will ultimately force a person to ignore the implications of his or her actions and decisions. Um, vacillation. A person who tends to become impulsive will also be indecisive. He or she vacillates when faced with several courses of action and ends up not taking action at all. Spiritual bypass. Using spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep personal, emotional, unfinished business, to shore up a shaky sense of self, or to belittle basic needs, feelings, and developmental tasks, all in the name of enlightenment. This is crazy. Spiritual bypass is sick. I mean, that's wild. I see so many people do that. Like, I'm not going to address, like, I'm just going to sit here and I'm not going to do anything and I'm going to put it in God's hands or I'm just going to meditate it away. I'm not going to ignore the fact that I have real issues that I have to take care of. And They forget that faith without works is exactly what God was talking about. You got to have all the faith in the world, but you got to get up and you have to take action. And you can't use spirituality to bypass everyday things and to bypass real emotions and to bypass real hard work and to bypass doing the right thing and being physically active. And you know what I'm saying? You can't. You can't use spirituality as an excuse to perpetuate the behavior patterns that led to our addiction. So I definitely, I'm definitely love that. And that's just absolutely real. 
Um, some helps to avoid relapse. Recognizing yourself, the alcohol relapse triggers outlined above. If if you have a therapist, counselor, or sponsor, or attend a group, talk about talk about it. Okay, yeah. So, you know, my thing, guys. Like I always say on here, talk to someone. If you don't have, you can't afford a therapist, or you don't have a counselor, you're not part of a group. Look into it. Sometimes your insurance will pay for counseling or therapy. They tend to pay for therapy way faster than they'll pay for psychiatry. Um, but also, you need a therapist to recommend you to a psychiatrist, and you need a psychiatrist to, to recommend you to everything else like medication and stuff. But also, just a group. Um, they have a lot of peer groups. We have a lot of um, Facebook groups now. So just find a group and talk it out. If you can't talk face-to-face with someone, go online and chat about it. I always tell people I love. If you have something deep to get off your chest regarding me and it's very difficult to say it to my face, text me, email me, mail me a letter. I'll read it and then we could just go. We could correspond back and forth. Sometimes you can't say certain things to certain people. I find it very difficult. Like I find it difficult of checking older people in my family. Like I can't really come out my face and put an older family member in check so i might have to just be like hey can i write you a letter or i might just have to just man up and just do it but sometimes it's easier to just say hey i I couldn't say these things to you in person i just want you to know this was on my mind so communication is good if you can't verbally communicate it you can communicate it um in writing return again and again to the path trusting in forgiveness yes don't give up. Trust the process. Constantly come back and forgive yourself and forgive others. That's real. Um, time for rejoicing. Fewer and fewer approval-seeking behaviors. Yes. Fewer expectations of people and events. Yes. Ability to apologize. Amen. Willingness to forgive. Hello. Willingness to be forgiven. Hallelujah. Now, this is the tightest part of this whole segment. Time. When is it the right time to say, hey, I'm growing up, I'm becoming emotionally stable, I'm starting to change. It's when you seek fewer and fewer approval from other people. You have fewer and fewer approval seeking behaviors. Right right now, I'm not worrying about what people think of the podcast and what they like and if they approve. I'm just doing it because it has to be done because I want to do it. I want to give back. I don't need no approval. I don't need no one writing me, telling me, yo, this and that. It helps, but I just mean I'm not looking. I'm not, I don't do things seeking approval. Um, fewer expectations of people or events, period. That's it. That's self-explanatory. Ability to apologize. Now, this is when you know you're checking your ego because emotional sobriety has a lot to do with the ego. All right. So I never want to be these one of these people like they they're wrong and they'll go to their deathbed with it. They can never tell their kids or their ex-wife or their ex-husband or someone that they're hurt, that they were sorry, that they are wrong and they apologize. I hate people like this. They always think they're right. And they sit there and they and they just, they're toxic. And they're not of sober mind. And it's usually the most sober people on the planet that judge everyone else and think they're better than everyone. And they're never wrong. And, you know, my girlfriend tells me this all the time. Oh, you're always right. Or you think you're never wrong. And I have to learn sometimes to be like, yo, look, I'm sorry. You know, it may be a character defect of mine. It may be a, I may, it's a big character flaw 
that is I'm very difficult to talk to. All my friends say that, you know, it's hard to give you constructive criticism. You get very defensive and yeah, I'm work on it, you know. So I say, well, write it or just don't tell, you know, if if it's hard to say to my face, just text me, say you're a nut job sometime. You're too intense. So, you you know, then I'm able to kind of like say, let me work on that, you know. Because guess what? I don't know if you guys got the memo, but none of you are perfect and none of us are perfect. And I'm certainly not perfect. And that's what makes us beautiful as humans. We're all figuring it out. And if we was perfect, we'll be God and we're not God. So that's that. Um, willingness to forgive and willingness to be forgiven. If you can't forgive and you're not willing to take for, accept forgiveness, then you're going to be struggling with some real issues for the rest of your life. Um, some books that may be helpful. 12 Smart Things to Do When the Booze and Drugs Are Gone. Published in 2008 by Alan Berger. Hazelden um, Publications. Emotional Sobriety from Relationship Trauma. Um, no, Emotional Sobriety from Relationship Trauma by T. Dayton. 2007. Forward by Wynne Coop M- M- Moyers. Recovering Spirituality, Achieving Emotional Sobriety in Your Spiritual Practice by Ingrid Matthew, 2011. Well, that's Dr. Ingrid Matthew. She's really good. Emotional Sobriety, The Next Frontier from the um, AA Grapevine, 2006. Well, ladies and gentlemen, are you emotionally sober? Are you, uh, uh, are you emotionally relapsing? And do you realize that emotional relapse can lead to physical relapse? And are you doing the right work to change? Are you following the steps? Are you giving yourself a shot? Are you practicing humility? Are you ch- are you checking your ego? Are you taking accountability and responsibility? Do you realize the world don't owe you anything? Do you realize it's not us against them? Do you realize that you are sometimes going to be at fault and that the world don't owe you anything? Are you doing the hard work? Are you accepting forgiveness? Are you accepting responsibility? Are you ability? Are you apologizing when you're wrong? You have to put these things in perspective. Are you using your sobrieties as, as a crutch to hurt other people or to judge other people? Are you wearing your sobriety as some badge where the world should look at you better? Like as if you're doing, you know, I think that there's a certain level of humility that has to come with sobriety because we're at, it's, it, you have to celebrate it. But it is the thing that must be done, you know, and, you know, so you have to be who you have to have humility you know, I never go around. I have to check myself sometimes because I get very annoyed when someone around me, when someone's drunk around me or drinking. It's just the way it goes. But, you know, like my girlfriend always reminds me, you have to be careful not to get cocky. Are you arrogant? You know, are you self-centered? Are you judgmental? All right. So remember Keeping your emotions and taking responsibility for your emotions and getting the help when needed, it goes a long way in a lifetime of recovery. And we're always doing the work. So I would say once or twice a year, get talk to a counselor, talk to a therapist, get into a group. 
you know, pick up the phone, go to church, talk to a priest, constantly reevaluate, do a self-assessment. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Pop Buchanan. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm six years, six and a half years sober. December 15th, 2019 will make my seven years. All right, so we're halfway there. I love you guys. Thank you so much. I know a large part of this episode was a little choppy because sometimes I'm reading from multiple books and resources and I'm pulling from different places. I'm going to put this PDF in the show notes and this PDFs, the PDF on emotional sobriety was brought to us today by 12stepspirituality.org. Okay, I love you all. I hope this episode was helpful. And whether you're struggling from drugs, alcohol, or process or behavior addictions, we all can take a note on the concept of emotional sobriety and accepting responsibility and doing the hard work to make sure we're the best possible version of ourselves and the best human being and that we're adding value to our family and friends and to the world and not causing destruction and hurting people all right so a large amount of our emotional sobriety is going to help with our sober mindset and our sober mindset is going to help us with being a better human being again i love you all this is episode 22 of the sober is dope podcast don't forget to leave us a review on itunes Um, I'm going to end with a message from our sponsor and please support our Sober's Dope store at SoberIsDope.net. So, you know, pick up a T-shirt or something inexpensive and give it to someone or, you know, just spread the message. All right. Sober is dope. Sober is hot. Sober is God. Sober is good. God bless you. Have a great day. Or soon you'll weave the web of the master's philosophy. It's not above, beyond, below your